Welcome to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm your host, Tony Conley. Thanks so much for tuning in to the pod. We decided to bring back a guest that we had a couple of weeks ago, Mike Nichols from the Nichols Law Firm. We talked the law and media in general, but today we're going to talk about COVID in the law because that has come up quite a bit, especially as we see these lawsuits on the national, statewide, and local levels. As a matter of fact, there's been a pretty interesting report that was released late last week from John Hopkins, which is known to be somewhat neutral when it comes to the reports that they released. And their latest report showed that there was little to nothing gained by locking down the country in regards to what the lockdown did in regards to shutting down COVID. It really didn't do much. And that I think that's kind of a good starting point for us to start. Mike, how are you? Good evening. How are you, Tony? I'm doing very well. Did you hear about that report? If you did, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I did. I heard the coverage on public radio it was last week, right? And mm-hmm. Correct. I think there was something to be gained, and, and it was this. We all learned how to use Zoom for <laughs> telecommuting functions. So I think we all got a little bit better from a technological standpoint. You know, in talking about the results of COVID, I think something else that changed a lot, I was recently talking uh, to a friend who has a nationwide company, Mike, And he was telling me that last year they eliminated 25% of their office space and will do another 50% because they found that not only do they save money, is it more cost effective, but they were getting productive work done uh, from folks who were working from home. Yeah, I think it cuts both ways. If you absolutely have to do it, remote work now with the Zoom platform, the Microsoft Teams platform. There's another Google-based uh, platform that I, I can't remember the name of it, but you know that will certainly um, benefit. I think our economy uh, from the standpoint of you know people just know how to be at least somewhat productive if they can't get physically to a work site. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to uh, talk about COVID in the media, and um, I don't think there's any doubts that the media, depending on who you watch, who you read, who you listen to, have covered it differently. And it seems to have become a pretty hot political football with uh, some folks believing that uh, some of the mandates that COVID has created has caused are not warranted and some believing that they should be. I think the main thing that people have had uh, issue with, with these mandates, with these rules, with these regulations, is that the states haven't been governing themselves as far as what they choose to do. And that uh, it just depends who science you listen to, who you read in regards to what to believe. Well, remember, the United States Supreme Court has confronted the issue of vaccine mandates, and it's confronted it a long, long time ago in a case very much on point with the cases that have been up in the news coming up from the states. And that was a case that goes back to the Spanish flu, that pandemic that our forebears went through uh, about 100 years ago. And the state of Massachusetts instituted a vaccine mandate, and the Supreme Court upheld the, the mandate, saying, you know, this is 
an area of democracy where negative liberty is important because yes, we get it. You have the right to control your body, but in order to further the public good, it's acceptable to require a vaccine mandate in certain, you know, most every walk of life, which was uh, what that case was based upon, it's based almost literally a statewide, commonwealth-wide vaccine mandate. Okay. Now, there are several states uh, which will be uh, eliminating the mask mandate uh, as soon as February 28th. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Mike? I think it's a completely political decision right now. And I say that, you know, 2022 is different from 2020 in that it's midterm elections. A lot of state governorships are on the line, including Michigan's, and governors are almost uniformly concerned about one thing, and that's getting reelected. And I think polling numbers drive what decisions are made and what mandates are and are not imposed and what mandates are lifted. I mean, think about how different it was for Gretchen Whitmer in fall and winter of 21-22 than it was in uh, the winter and spring of 2020. You know, she was two years out from having to run to keep her seat then. Now she's got to run to keep her seat. And there's one big issue for maintaining your statewide office when you are the executive office holder. And that is, how's the economy? How's the unemployment rate? How's the state's version of GDP? You're listening to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with Mike Nichols from the Nichols Law Firm. And we're talking about COVID and the law and how the media covers it. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about that, especially now that it seems like the COVID trend and the mandates are going to be changed and in some ways eliminated. We'll talk about that next on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. something to grow it takes time like the equity in your home that's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit because frequent watering of your house plants may be recommended now can we get a new roof not so much the rest of the house want the best rates for a home equity line of credit ask for LaughQ stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity LaughQ your credit union for life Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with Mike Nichols from the Nichols Law Firm. Mike, when it comes to COVID and the law and legal cases, we're going to talk more specific cases here in Michigan. In general, how do you think the media has done in reporting that? You spoke of the Supreme Court case, but in other cases, not only in our state here in Michigan, but nationwide. How do you think the media has done in reporting those? I think it's been a challenge for the media, and there have been probably some successes and failures. I thought that, for example, one of the big stories that I was really interested in was the story of Carl the Barber in Owasso. Remember mm-hmm. that? And yep. uh, that was a pretty fascinating case that made its way to the uh, Court of Claims and then the Court of Appeals. And a fantastic lawyer 
uh, David Coleman, who represented Carl Mankey. And it seemed like I think the media was missing the mark and focusing more on the personality of the barber as opposed to these are the social issues and the legal issues that are underneath the litigation that was in question. So when it comes to the media and law and reporting, I often wonder how good a job they have on understanding the law in regards to COVID and legalese from judges. And it's definitely is a skill set to be able to communicate that to folks in layman terms. Right on. And I think we talked about this on the last segment that we did together. And that was, I'm a proponent that should be required for a J school major, in other words, a journalism major, to have to take not one, but then an advanced law class. Maybe it's a journalism and the law, or maybe it's just law basics, civics, uh, because there are procedures, especially in a criminal case and legal terms that are important to know. And also understand that the history of why we have certain things like, you know, a writ of mandamus, for example, where a court can order a government to take a prospective act, a government or a government entity. I think that's important. And I think we're lacking in that right now. Mike, talk a little bit about the case that you're working on. Uh, I know there's some details you can't share, but I know you've been studying all the elements of this. Tell us about this case. Going back to March of 2020, when we first were locked down by the governor in what Johns Hopkins says is now a pointless lockdown, but I decided what I was going to do was you know, every morning I was going to get up and treat it like going to the office, except I would you know, walk 20 steps to the couch instead of drive five minutes to my office. And I researched and I blogged and you know, went on social media with my own take on What's the source of the authority for a governor to impose a lockdown or a shutdown like Governor Whitmer did? And I ended up, you know, not completely changing my practice area because still, you know, 99% of my practice area is criminal and drunk driving defense. But I, you know, literally had people calling me who were fellow business owners to retain me to help them dealing with, okay, for example, uh, one client wanted to reopen but wasn't sure if they qualified at that point in time, only certain businesses were qualified for in-person retail. And so, you know, I've been keeping up on the various vaccine statutes. There are a lot of proposed statutes out there. You would be surprised at what hasn't been covered, really. Uh, There's a federal right to freedom from vaccination act in Congress. On the other hand, there's a federal Rights for Public Safety Pro-Vaccination Mandate Act pending in Congress. So I've just tried to do my uh, level best to stay up on uh, all of that. Mike, I was really interested with these cases, and there are a multitude of them around the country as well as in Michigan uh, regarding uh, COVID and the lockdowns and the mandates. What's going to happen with those cases that are planned or that are ongoing when the mandates change or if they're eliminated, especially we're seeing COVID cases decrease and we're seeing some hope for the spring where we may have less issue with this. Yeah, I suspect that the lawyers on a lot of those cases are going to proceed, even though really the requirement for an appellate court in most jurisdictions, including uh, the Supreme Court of the 
the United States to review something is that there has to be a case in controversy. But often the case in controversy is not ripe. In other words, it's passed, it's resolved. You know, things have worked themselves out just organically, but yet the parties through their lawyers still want a ruling from the highest court of the jurisdiction or in the United States, the highest court of the United States, the Supreme Court, and get a ruling just so that if, you know, this is likely to be repeated or is such an important question of the public interest, we're going to get a judicial interpretation of the law, which is precedent. Is is that what will be precedent? Yes, exactly right. Yes. So it doesn't matter if the ruling from the judge is somewhat predicated on it's not necessary anymore. If you look to the future, you will have precedent. Exactly right. And, you know, that little known and little discussed Massachusetts case from 19, I think it was 1919, it was really underserved and underutilized because that talked a lot about what at least the Supreme Court's perspective and philosophy was back then. We're talking with Mike Nichols from the Nichols Law Firm. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about judges and their rulings and how much the media may or may not influence their decisions. You're listening to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Hi, this is Chris Holman, and as past chair of the National Small Business Association and a small business owner myself, I understand when you run a business, you rely heavily on your computer network. Now, you cannot afford lost data, lost customer information, and that's why you should trust your technology needs to ASK. Contact ASK at 877-ASK-4ASK for a free audit and analysis of your technology needs. That's 877-ASK-4ASK. Or find them on the internet at www.justask.net. ASK, taking the hassle out of technology so that you can run your business. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with Mike Nichols from the Nichols Law Firm. Mike, I thought you would have an interesting take on COVID, the law, and the media. You brought it up earlier. You are a small business owner. You own a law firm in East Lansing that does work all over the state, if not beyond. What are your thoughts on COVID, the law, and media as a business owner? This is going to come across as political, but if it weren't for the CARES Act, our boat would have been sunk, at least in terms of being able to continue to employ the 11 people who are employed at our law firm. It was a struggle. For me, I was able to maintain my revenue stream, but it wasn't the same for the other, all of the lawyers. We have seven lawyers. We had six at that time, you know, just weren't able to keep it going um, at the same level. So without um, federal spending, we would have been done. But it seems like there is a different culture of what do we have to do as a business to protect the health of our employees, but also make sure because you know we're you know not necessarily retail, but as a professional office that's open to the public, we have to have a place where the health and the sanitation and the safety uh, is maintained at a certain level. And you know we had to write new 
policies and implement them and you know continue to monitor them. And it, at least in our little law firm, I think it made us a lot better as a team. We came a little bit closer together and a lot of us were working for the greater good. Mike, did you have concerns about your law firm? It sounds like survival wasn't an issue for you, but when you're dealing with people's livelihoods and people being able to <laughs> you know, pay their rent and their bills and whatnot, what was it like? Yeah, it was very, very scary. It was really scary. You know, Wendy, who's my wife and my law partner, read just about every relevant word of the Federal CARES Act as it was making its way through Congress, just to understand here's what is available for us, here's what we need to do to get it. And it was really just an anxious time. To say that it was an anxious time is underselling the degree of anxiety that I think, you know, we as a couple and partners in a law firm were experiencing, and I know for our employees as well. And so we had to do our best to put on that face for them and make them feel like you know, it's going to be okay. If nothing else, we're going to go down fighting. From a statewide perspective, what you saw, and as a business owner, how good a job did the media do in regards to communicated that information you and your wife are looking for in regards to your business? I think a reasonable job. You know, it's always a matter of what outlets do you consume? And, you know, I know I had C-SPAN on all the time, especially when I found out that I could hear Supreme Court oral arguments streamed live on C-SPAN, you know, public radio. I wanted media information that was not sensationalist, but simply policy-based. What's going on and how do we communicate it in an even-handed and objective way? I didn't need the drama or the entertainment. I needed the information. And if you had to grade the media on that, what grade would you give them? Like, well, I think I would give the media an A when it comes to the networks and the major news outlets accessing things virtually. It was a lot easier to cover certain things that, you know, a reporter in Detroit who's got institutional memory and knowledge of what's going on in Lansing, you would have to drive that 90 minutes or whatever to get from you know, St. Clair Shores to the state capital. Now we have new technology or uses of technology where committee meetings are now almost always live streamed. The Michigan Supreme Court oral arguments are almost always live streamed. And, you know, I can access it as a citizen and a lawyer. I listen to Supreme Court of the United States arguments via, you know, different networks that were simply broadcasting those arguments. I thought that part was great. But, you know, when I would watch the occasional, you know, CBS or NBC uh, network nightly news, I just thought they were, they tended to be sensationalists, especially when it, you know, came to covering the personalities, you know, like the administration at that time. So, you know, if you're going to pin me down on a grade, I'd say, you know, high D plus to uh, maybe a C, depending on the curve. And I'm usually a creator, by the way, as an adjunct law professor. Mike has an interesting background. As he was going through law school, he worked as a television reporter for WILX in Lansing. I happened uh, to work with him uh, during that time. And so he has really good insight into the media and the law. And Mike, I want to get your take on this. I don't know how much you can tell me, 
But when it comes to judges, when they're ruling on cases and maybe more specific COVID cases, how much does the media influence those decisions? And does that change depending on the level of the court, whether it's a local, a statewide or the Supreme Court? Well, the media, to the extent that the media is a conduit for perhaps the judge's constituency, in other words, the people who vote for that judge, or in the case of the Supreme Court of the United States, the president who's going to be elected, who then is going to appoint the next justice when somebody retires or dies. A lot of people are calling the current SCOTUS very political, especially in light of the voting rights case from Alabama uh, yesterday. And in light of uh, the cases that we talked about earlier, uh, those two vaccine cases, one of which was the National Federation of Independent Business versus Department of Labor. And in that case, a majority Republican appointee court uh, said, yes, vaccine mandates can be utilized in situations where there is a public health provider that relies on or utilizes or participates in Medicaid and Medicare. A lot of people didn't really talk about that. It didn't get a ton of coverage. Thanks to SCOTUS blog, it's easy for any of us citizens to find it. But judges are people just like anybody else. And I think politics, in other words, the media, because the media covers politics innately, I think that at least indirectly has to have some impact on a judge's psyche going into a big you know, policy-based case. We've been talking with Mike Nichols from the Nichols Law Firm. Mike, I appreciate your time so much, my friend. We'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been great. You've been listening to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.